0: Well, it's a new year. Do you feel behind already? Well, what I want to convince you this morning is that of all the things you feel you might need to do this year, uh, the one thing that, the one necessary thing we need to learn how to do together is to stop doing one day in seven. Our scripture text today is taken from, actually from the Ten Commandments, from the book of Exodus we've been looking at together, the book of Exodus, chapter 20. The Lord is speaking. This is Exodus chapter 20, and I'm going to begin in verse 8. The Lord says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock with a sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the seed and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Well, let's admit it, the fourth commandment is odd. It's strange. It's the longest of the Ten Commandments. It is positively stated instead of, thou shalt not. It's the one commandment that is completely unexpected. You know, I command you, rest. In fact, you could say this is the most debated commandment and it is the least observed (laughs) commandment. You still see remnants of it today. To everyone's chagrin, no (laughs) Chick-fil-A on Sundays. Well, you should know it was out of place then as well, 3,000 years ago. Keeping a Sabbath was a unique custom in the ancient world. It had no precedent or parallel in any other culture, especially, remember, to a tribe of slaves. They'd never had a day off. It's strange if you are a Christian because we're not quite sure what it is or how to observe it or even if we should. And it's strange if you're not a Christian because it seems so at- an antiquated, out of place with our busy modern lives. After all, this command was given thousands of years ago, different time and place, and today most of us are looking for more time each week, not to surrender, let alone a whole day. Bill Gates, one of the wealthiest men in the world, said a few years ago, just in terms of allocation of time resources, religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more I could be doing on a Sunday morning. And to that I want to say, you're exactly right. That is exactly right. In most people's eyes, keeping the Sabbath holy is wholly a waste of time. And let and yet let me ask you a, a few questions. You tell me if any of these resonate with you. Do you frequently feel rushed and in a hurry? Like you're so behind you'll never catch up. Are you operating with very little margin? Is it hard for you to make space for solitude, silence, do you? Is it difficult for you to be fully present? people you care most about. What I want to convince us of this morning, if you answered yes to any of those questions, our inability to manage our time just may reflect our reluctance to honor God's time. Abraham Heschel, is one of the most noted Jewish intellectuals of the 20th century, wrote the most famous book on the Sabbath in the last hundred years. He went so far as to say, what we are depends on what the Sabbath is to us. What we are depends on what the Sabbath is to us. So what is the Sabbath to you? Well, let's have a conversation. We'll frame our conversation around three questions. Does God want you to take a Sabbath today? Secondly, why should you take a Sabbath? And third, how can you? How can you? But first, does the Lord want us to practice Sabbath-keeping today? One day in seven does the Lord want you to cease from all your work? And many say no. For many Christians, the Sabbath has become, at best, an optional suggestion. Reduced to the occasional Sunday afternoon nap, watching football on TV. But sadly, no longer the Indianapolis Colts. (laughs) Uh, No longer a binding commandment of God. After all, the Sabbath was part of the Old Testament law, which has now been fulfilled in Jesus. Besides, you say, didn't Jesus himself break the Sabbath? Well, if you try and read through the Bible this year, which I hope you'll adopt some sort of plan, one thing that will strike you is how frequently the Sabbath is mentioned in the Bible. 172 times by my count. But even more than frequency is how much God seems to care about the Sabbath. To give some famous examples, this is from the book of Exodus, chapter 31, verse 12. The very last thing the Lord tells Moses before Moses leaves Mount Sinai, quote, You are to tell the people, above all things, you shall keep my Sabbaths. One last thing, Moses, above all things... And he says, this is a sign between me and you throughout the generation. Why single out that one commandment? Above all things, remember this. The prophet Jeremiah is told, when the people one day come and ask, why are we in exile? The Lord says, the reason the Lord gives is failure to honor the Sabbath. You can read it for yourself in Jeremiah chapter 17. Apparently, keeping the Sabbath was very important to the Lord. You say, well, that was just part of the Old Testament law. It's not binding today. That's why it's so interesting that before the law is given in Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments, if you flip back a few chapters to Exodus 16, story we'll touch on in a few moments, but for now, note the practice of Sabbath keeping predates the giving of the law at Sinai. It's before the law, most importantly in our text itself, in the fourth commandment. Listen to where God grounds Sabbath observance. This is verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. And His Sabbath keeping is woven into the very fabric of creation. Before the fall of humanity, recorded in Genesis 3, when the world was perfect and as God always intended, God rested. And blessed the Sabbath Sabbath day. Genesis chapter 2. Which is to say in the very warp and woof of creation, there is a God-given sacred rhythm to life. It's in the very fabric of creation. Six and one. Six and one. It's how God made things. And I wonder if you've ever noticed, verse 11 continues, Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. 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 Abraham Heschel writes, One of the most distinguished words in the Bible is this word, holy, kadosh. A word which more than any other is representative of the mystery and majesty of the divine. He continues, What was the first holy object in the history of the world? Was it a mountain? Was it an altar? It is indeed a unique occasion at which the distinguished word kadosh is used for the first time in the book of Genesis at the end of the story of creation and how extremely significant is the fact that it is applied to time. It is applied to time. God blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Heschel says this is a radical departure from our accustomed religious thinking. Normally we associate holiness with a place, a thing, or an action, But when history began there was only one holiness in the world and it was a holiness in time. You know why we miss what's right in front of us? Because we've completely lost our sense of sacred time. But it was so important to God that when our Creator reduced all of life to ten words, and in the Jewish tradition that's a famous way of referring to the Ten Commandments and it's a helpful way to think about the Ten Commandments today, Life as God intends it to be lived, in ten words. I mean, who could be qualified to say, this is what is most important in life, in ten words? And God uses one of them. I've got just ten words to say about how to live, and one of them, remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Jesus honored the Sabbath. He calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath. Matthew 12, verse 8 he says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. When he was accused by the religious leaders of his day of breaking the Sabbath for healing on it, Jesus wasn't breaking the Sabbath. He was breaking their twisted understanding of the Sabbath because the religious people of his day had taken something that was intended to be a gift and had turned it into this very onerous burden. They'd come up with a list of Uh, 1,521 things you could not do on the Sabbath. For example, could you carry a stone? No, that would be a burden. Could you carry a child? Yes, they reasoned, because a child is more often a joy than a burden. But then they asked, but can you carry a child who's carrying a stone? Hmm, you see why Jesus was exasperated. The Sabbath was never intended to be a burden hanging over us, but a gift God has given to us, which is what Jesus meant when he said, this is in Mark 2, the Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. So does God want you to take a Sabbath? Unequivocally, yes. I command you, one day in seven, cease, rest. So if you're a follower of Jesus, it's a straightforward question. Are you keeping a Sabbath in a way that would be recognizable as sacred time? Now, if you're not a Christian, you might be thinking, this is precisely my problem with Christianity. It seems like a bunch of rules, restrictive and impractical, outdated, out of touch. Well, let's all reason together. Why should you take a Sabbath? Why should you? Here are four reasons. First and most importantly, because God commands us and God is God. Now that may not be very compelling to you unless you have a robust understanding of what the law of God is. The law of God, we almost never hear this, but the law of God is an expression of God's care, his kindness, as if God were saying to us, I made you, I wrote the instruction manual for the human. I know what will make your life flourish and what will set you free. And I'm smarter than you because I'm God. Now, we don't think of it that way, but every time we disobey, we're essentially saying, God, I'm smarter than you because I know what I need for my life to work. There's a beautiful prayer from one of the great minds of the early church, Augustine, who wrote, Lord Jesus, let me know myself and know you. Let me distrust myself and put my trust in you. He's saying the person who is beginning to know himself Is learning to trust God more than he trusts himself. May I translate? A wise person is learning to say, Lord, you are wiser than me. That's the first reason you should keep the Sabbath, because the Lord commands you. It's one of his ten words. A second reason you should keep the Sabbath is because God models God models Sabbath-keeping for us. God not only commands it, He models it. Even if you only have a passing familiarity with the Genesis story, surely you have puzzled over this line. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and rested on the seventh day. Ever stumbled over that? Rested? Just made heaven and earth by speaking them into existence? Was the Almighty tired? Rested. There's an amazing line tucked away in the back of Exodus, this is chapter 31, verse 17, I wonder if you've ever noticed it, it says, in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, and on the seventh day, quote, he rested and was refreshed, isn't that amazing that that verse is in the Bible, I mean, whoo! that Grand Canyon took it out of me, refreshed, why would that be in the Bible, why would the one who never slumbers or sleeps ever need to rest, There was an old Puritan writer, Thomas Watson, who wrote a series of sermons on the Ten Commandments. This is what he said about the fourth. He who needed no rest in the greatness of his condescension rested from the work which he had creatively made, that by his example he might woo humanity to its much-needed rest. He might woo humanity... See, it wasn't for His sake. If you think you're too busy, for none of us is run the universe on our to-do list, but it is on God's. And yet, God took a break, not because God was tired, but to woo us to our much-needed rest. We are created in His image. There is a rhythm that God has woven into the fabric of His creation. That's why, did you notice in the fourth commandment, even the cows get a break. Even the cows. So if you're feeling out of sorts today, could it be because we're not in tune with this sacred rhythm? And that's a third reason, getting a little deeper, why we should start taking a Sabbath. Because the Sabbath teaches us how to cease from our work. It teaches us how to cease from our work. And we need help with that. That's what the word Sabbath literally means. It comes from the Hebrew word meaning to cease or to rest from labor. There was a viral essay a few months back by David Brooks who writes, Over the past eight years or so, I've been obsessed with two questions. The first is, why have Americans become so sad? And he documents the rising rates of depression. He continues, My second related question is, why have Americans become so mean and could it be that we are so sad angry mean could it be that we're redlining could our hurry sickness have something to do with the fact that we don't know how to be still we don't know how to be still even if we take days off we don't know how to rest even if we take vacations we don't know how to enjoy them Even our recreation has become high maintenance. I've got an app for that. I'm new to the Midwest, but one thing I appreciate about Midwesterners, you guys work hard, but what I want to ask is, do you know why you work so hard? Lady Gaga works hard. You know why she works hard? Here's what she says in Rolling Stone magazine. She said, my whole life is a performance. And I have to up the ante every day. Now, you may not think you have very much in common with Lady Gaga. But don't you know that so much of our drive, that fire in the belly, so much of that insecurity, it flows from the very same taproot. That in our bones, in our bones, we have this sense that we have to justify our existence by what we do and God says stop working one day in seven to train yourself to internalize that what makes you enough has nothing to do with what you do that's what the the sabbath acts like a kind of circuit breaker on our cultural obsession with work and make no mistake we have an obsession with work. I like how Walter Brueggemann puts it, in our contemporary context of the rat race of anxiety, the celebration of Sabbath is an act of resistance, uh, an act of resistance, a visible insistence that our lives are not defined by what we do. The Sabbath is forming us, he's saying, into people who can believe that God accepts us not because of what we accomplish, but only because of what God has done for us in Jesus. That's what the Gospel tells us, that God has already done something for us. God has sent His Son to live for us, and die for us, and be raised for us. And the Bible says that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God. Seated. Seated. Without our needing to do anything to complete or fulfill Jesus' sufficient work." So the Bible says, it is not up to him who works. You know, we we act like that's so easy, we act like it's so easy to trust Christ alone. If you don't know, it is the hardest thing in the world to want to rest in Christ alone for your salvation. If you don't know that, then I dare say you have never understood the real offense Of the gospel it is so hard in fact that God says you and I need a remedial course every seven days now I said I give you four reasons why to keep the Sabbath God commands it God models it it teaches us how to cease from our striving but fourthly and most importantly the Sabbath trains us how to rest in God trains us how to rest in God God wants us to learn how to rest in His grace. I like how Barbara Brown Taylor puts it. But this is a gift we are so reluctant to receive, it had to be commanded. We're so reluctant to receive this gift, it had to be commanded. Sabbath trains us to trust God's care and rest in God's provision. One of the great stories in the Bible I referenced earlier, Exodus 16... The people of Israel had been liberated from slavery in Egypt, just crossed the Red Sea, wandering in the wilderness, and they are hungry. So God provides for them bread from heaven called manna, which falls each day, just enough for that day. But this original wonder bread will not keep beyond one day, except if you read the story, one day a week, no bread falls. And the Lord commands the people to gather twice as much the day before. Here's what the Lord says. Six days you shall gather, but on the seventh there will not be any, for tomorrow is a day of rest, a holy Sabbath. This is before the Ten Commandments had been given. Now, what is the Lord doing? The Lord was training His people in the wilderness On the way, training their hearts to trust, I will provide for you what you need for each new day. Give us this day our daily bread. And 3,000 years later, that's what the Sabbath remains. God's training us, forming us into people who are learning to trust that we can rely upon God's care. Because God knows we find it hard to trust and God knows we don't know how to rest, so one day in seven, this constant remedial course. So we've seen that God wants you to take a Sabbath, and why? But even if you're convinced, even if you're convinced, perhaps you're wondering, all right, all right, how can I take a Sabbath? We should start by saying there are no legalistic rules. Even in the fourth commandment itself, God says, set it apart as holy, but even God doesn't prescribe exactly how. Now, I want to take up this question of New Year's resolutions. Say, I don't do that, you say. One more thing on an already crowded to-do list. And I hear that, but think of it this way. If you don't make a New Year's resolution, then you are resolving to keep things as they are. You are choosing to cast your vote for the status quo. Now, I'm a newcomer to Evansville, relatively speaking, but if you'll allow me to suggest, could this be one of our big cultural idols here? The status quo, the way we've always done it. Good enough. But may I respectfully ask you, are you satisfied with things not changing this year? If you're wondering what might cultivating this new habit look like for me in 2024, I'm going to give you four words, four words that can aid us in how to keep the Sabbath. This is from a great book by Marva Dawn called Keeping the Sabbath Holy. And her four words are ceasing, resting, embracing, and feasting. Ceasing, resting, embracing, and feasting. Cease. Exodus 20, verse 10, says, God God says, on this day you shall not do any work. No business, not even housework or anything that reminds you of work. And one thing that is essential from getting away from our work is turning off our technology. Fasting from your technology one day a week. You can't rest if you're tied to your work. You can keep your phone on, but you can untether it from your email. There's a wonderful book that came out a few years ago by Jenny O'Dell with this great title, How to Do Nothing. And her subtitle says it all, Resisting the Attention Economy. Here's what she writes. We experience the externalities of the attention economy in little drips, so we tend to describe them with words of amusement like distracting But this is a grave misreading of their nature. In the short term, distractions can keep us from doing the things that we want to do. But in the longer term, they accumulate and keep us from living the lives we want to live. Or even worse, they gradually undermine our capacity for reflection. Making it hard, she says, for us to want what we want to want. Now, I think that is brilliant. She says we need to replace the word FOMO with NOMO, the necessity of missing out, and that we have no idea how much our technology is malforming us. Some of you are in the medical profession, are in a job where you have to work on Sundays. You'll have to get creative. Some of you have little kids. You know two-year-olds don't have off buttons. You might be in a season of life where it's not possible. So when the Lord says, keep it holy... That means keep it set apart. At the very least for this season of life, you can set one day in 7 apart as special for your family where they know the first day of the week, the beginning of the week is the most special and sacred time in our family where we only do things on that day. You cease. You cease your labor. But to put it positively, to put it positively, you also get to rest. Rest. A word we don't use much anymore is leisure. I think this is the most misunderstood word, leisure. If it sounds simple, you don't know what it is because the leisure that I'm interested in is not binging on Netflix on the couch or just taking a nap. There's a very famous book written several decades ago uh, by a thinker named Joseph Pieper entitled Leisure. Here's what he writes, he says, leisure is not the inevitable result of spare time, a holiday or a weekend or vacation. It is an attitude of the mind, a condition of soul, utterly contrary to the ideal of worker. He says, leisure is an attitude of inward calm, it is a form of silence. You see what he's saying? He's saying, it's not true that we don't have time to take a Sabbath. He's saying that we avoid leisure, true leisure, because part of us is afraid of it. Another writer puts it, What is it in us that flees from leisure? It is simply speaking our emptiness. So we seek out distractions to hide from our big feelings because a part of us feels we can't handle being alone and still before God. I want to ask if you feel emotionally drained right now. Listen to this promise the Lord makes. This is from Isaiah 58 verse 13. If you turn back your foot from breaking the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, verse 14, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. What comes with height? I'm told perspective. Perspective. God is saying, if you make Sabbath-keeping a habit... I will gradually start giving you perspective on your life. So ceasing, resting, embracing. It is called a Sabbath to the Lord your God. I've, I've wasted your time today unless you decide of all the New Year's resolutions you could make, you decide this year I'm finally going to learn what it means to keep a weekly Sabbath how do we embrace this day for god will you embrace it intentionally in community sabbath rest includes worship worship but please this is not a pastor saying go to church because we've turned church into going to a building on a sunday and the new testament the church was not a building it is a people who gather to sing hymns and pray and hear God's word and re-center our hearts on the beauty of God. Remember, the Bible says. And that word in the Bible, remember, is not like recalling the date of your mom's birth. In the Bible, to remember, it's like immersive theater. It is to immerse yourself in an alternative story for your life. Remember, Sabbath is an act of resistance. Let me put it this way. Have you ever been in love with someone who lived out of town? Out of town. When you got to see them only on the weekend, did you look forward to that day? Oh, your whole week was geared around, finally I get to be with the one I love. Now is that Sunday to you? Oh, finally we get to gather and worship. I dare say the main reason we don't observe a Sabbath, if I can dare put it this way, is that we're afraid that God is boring. And God bores us because we don't know God. And we don't know God because we don't know how to spend time with God. Contemplating, meditating. Psalm 27 says, gazing upon his beauty. We don't spend time with God because we don't believe in God's presence. There is fullness of joy. That's Psalm 16. In your presence there is fullness of joy. I mean, if we believe that, that in God's presence there is fullness of joy, wouldn't His presence get more of our focus than our phones on this day? That's a pretty simple question. What gets more of your presence? In your presence there is fullness of joy. We don't believe God is our delight because we don't honor the Sabbath. What did Isaiah 58 say? What does the Lord say? If you call the Sabbath a delight, then, then you shall delight in the Lord. So you cease. We rest. We embrace. And we feast. We feast. We feast. You know who feasts? Those who are hungry. And that's what every Sabbath is intended to be, a taste for the hungry. And man, we are hungry. You know what they call the Lord's Supper in the early church? They called it a love feast. It wasn't how we practice it today. It was a feast because we are so hungry. And the Bible says we are laboring for the bread that does not satisfy. But you know what every Sabbath is? It is intended to be an appetizer, a little taste. And you know what an appetizer does? It makes you hungry for the real meal. Because don't you know where all this is headed, where it all ends? Where we're all going to be together again, a giant feast, festival joy. That is our destiny, the ultimate resting and the culmination of God's purposes. And the Bible says in Hebrews 4, There yet remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And then each Sabbath we gather to taste that sweet culmination. We make space to feast. But the Bible goes on to say in Hebrews 4, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. That's a paradox. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. It's a paradox that you have to work to know how to experience leisure. (laughs) Someday your race will be over. Someday your race will be over. But until that day, six days you shall run, but one day in seven, cease, rest, embrace, feast. You know what we're feasting on? The heart's true home. The heart's true home. Isn't your heart crying out? For that living bread, and each Sabbath is a foretaste of that day where we will rest from all of our tears and toils and troubles. Which is why one of the great masters says, He who cannot enjoy a Sabbath will never enjoy heaven. If you can't enjoy a Sabbath, you'll never enjoy heaven. Just unceasing communion with God. And friends, remember, when the Creator of all that is reduced all of life to ten words, one of them is so unexpected, He had to command it for us to believe it. One day in seven, rest. You get to. You have to. It's for our sake. Jesus wants to be Lord of all of our days, not just one of them. But that starts by making him first Lord of the Sabbath. So of all things you have to do this year, I'm challenging you to make this your one and only New Year's resolution. Here's what to do with your New Year's resolutions. You make ten and you cross out the bottom nine. That's the secret to keeping them and make this your one and only. This is going to be the year, with God's help and with others around me helping me, God help me to entrust all of my life to your care through the training wheels of keeping the Sabbath. That's all I had. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, help us to believe that Every part of your word, every part of your word is an expression of your care, your kindness, and every part of your word is to lead us back to the gospel of grace, which tells us it is not up to the one who works, but you are training us to rest, and you are completed, finished, sufficient work that tells us you are enough, you are worthy, you are accepted. So in the words of the old hymn, lay your deadly doing down and rest in Christ alone. In His name we pray.